0: Hello, and thanks for listening to Nerds About, a podcast where we take a deep dive on a different subject every week. I'm your host, Caleb, and today we're going to be nerds about sprint car racing with my buddy Steve Jakewith. Steve, thanks for being on the show, man.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite.
0: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really excited to get into this. I'm, a, I'm quite a bit of a motorhead, um, though nowhere near an expert on this. But specifically within the racing world, what qualifies you as a subject matter expert with uh, sprint car racing?
1: Well, expert. That's a crazy word, but, uh, I don't think of myself as an expert. I, I feel like I'm more of an amateur racer because it's not my profession. There are mm-hmm. guys out there making a living, uh, wrenching on cars, driving cars, um, that they own or driving for other people, uh, mm-hmm. hired, hired guns basically. Um, and those guys are some of my heroes and I would look up to them as experts, um, In the amateur ranks, uh, what qualifies me as an expert is I am uh, stupid enough to jump in one of these uh, 700 plus horsepower, 1300 pound uh, machines that basically want to go crazy and Uh try to control that thing. So uh, if I was going to say I was an expert, uh, I would say that that qualifies me as an expert because I am willing to do it. And it's one of those uh, types of racing that a lot of racers won't even do, uh, especially on dirt uh, like I do, because it is it's so out of control. Uh, controlling these cars is is a handful. So that would that would qualify me as an expert. The fact that I'm willing to jump in and do it. Um, so
0: with sprint car, you know, you talk about with it being so hard to control you know as compared to other types of racing do you have to be a lot more of a driver as compared to just
1: there is uh an aspect of sprint car racing that is definitely set up and equipment related that that enables you to to control the car better and then there is driver and machine um and you are whether you're a crew member wrenching on a car or a driver behind the wheel, you're faced with changing track conditions throughout the the day and night that you race, Uh, you're faced with your own equipment, Mm -hmm. Um, you're faced with uh, um, other drivers and their abilities. Uh, And something unique about what we do here in California is we have some of the best drivers in the country Like I like I mentioned, they're getting paid to drive. It's all they do. Mm -hmm. And then you have a guy like me who's a fourth grade elementary school teacher Monday through Friday and Saturday. I strap in right next to those guys. There is no uh, limits on who can build a sprint car and go out and try it. So you have a wide variety of skill levels and equipment um, levels, Uh dollars and cents that are put into equipment. Uh, So there's a huge, vast um, spread from top to bottom. Um, And it depends on what series you run and what track Uh you go to, um, what you're going to run into. But I have raced against Kyle Larson, who is a NASCAR star. Yeah. When he was here in California, um, as he was younger, obviously. Um, And he kicked my butt. (laughs) But uh, he's awesome. Uh, And then there's guys who are farmers who are plumbers uh-huh. who are teachers who come out and do it as well and uh, so you so are not limited to what you can enter your car in. you build a, a car that fits the criteria and you, can go, you can go enter it anywhere
0: so what's the kind of the is there kind of a, a like dichotomy in that culture between the guys who are like hey this is what i do i'm paid to do this and you know kind of the more hobbyist guys like you is there kind of a a rivalry there or is there just a hey everybody's here to drive or does that even come up when you're at the track
1: so the biggest rivalry i would say is um there's a there's a traveling series that it equates with mlb nfl nba it's mm-hmm. called the, it's called the world of outlaws uh and they run 410 cubic inch all aluminum super lightweight super high horsepower about 900 horsepower com- compared to my seven okay um and uh they Will travel around the country and they race about four nights a week. It's really crazy. They run a, a really crazy schedule, um, and wherever they come into, when they come to California, mm-hmm. there's definitely a rivalry between the best California cars and the Outlaws. And there's kind of a an unspoken and spoken, and a lot of you know keyboard warriors typing yeah. on social media about if. The California cars will beat the outlaws. or when they travel back to Pennsylvania, there's a a really big group of non-professional guys, but very highly competitive called the Pennsylvania Posse. Uh-huh. And so when the outlaws roll into Pennsylvania, there's always a lot of chatter, a lot of
0: chatter, a lot of rivalry there.
1: Posse versus outlaw. Or when they come to California, we had the Golden State Challenge, King of the West cars, uh, and there's a big rivalry over, are those guys going to beat the outlaws? And they do. The, it, it's it, like I said, you know, you take my, my entry level team with a teacher driving the car versus yeah. the California pros. And that, that same, um, same idea steps up to the California pros quote unquote versus the outlaws that it, it just keeps graduating up, you know, yeah. uh, until you, are a team that runs the outlaws full time. Uh, but so there's, there's a lot of, of, um, also cultural things within the sprint car community where, um, you know, you're, you're racing and, and, uh, if you're not a leader, if you're not in the lead, you're courteous to the leaders and and you don't take the fast line and, and block the track. You let the leaders race for the win. Um, and if you're, uh, fortunate to be in that
0: you know, front in that pack position, you, yeah. you
1: expect others to do the same so there's some unspoken rules uh and then there's some spoken rules there's flagmen that have flags that uh are are demarking different things basically yeah telling you you know because you can't see when you're driving a sprint car you can see about uh a third of your, uh, of, your of your front of your vision. facing yeah. vision uh your head is tied to to a safety device strapped to your belts you can't really turn your head on the right side you have a wing panel sticking down uh which so really blocks the right side view so i can see out the front about a 30 degree angle maybe 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 45 50 degree angle in front of me um and that's about it so you hear things coming uh you kind of feel like Yeah. Someone may be there, but you don't really know. You have no idea. So one of the unspoken rules is hold your line. Uh, You, you go into the corner on the bottom. You don't switch halfway through the corner and decide to let the car drift up and run the top because
0: there's, because there could be somebody there and you're going to cause an accident and yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's accidents come up. Um, In, in sprint car racing, accidents are volatile. Yeah, m- much more so than in stock car IMCA modified hobby stock street stock racing you'll see a lot of those guys with full fendered cars where they lean on each other a lot more uh-huh. there's a lot more contact uh, well there's a lot more
0: car there to be able to contact your your sprint car racers compared to a normal car is probably like what half the size
1: um we're we're roughly about Seven and a half feet wide, eight feet wide, and about uh, 12 feet long. We weigh about uh, 1375, no driver, 1575 with a driver, and we're pushing 700 horsepower, over 600 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, So they're they're super unique in that uh, it's not the crazy horsepower or miles per hour you would see drag racing um, Uh in a straight line. But we go from an idle to wide open over 8,000 RPMs uh, instantly Uh and uh, hold that 8,000 RPMs for a five to seven minute heat race, eight laps, you know, uh, eight laps in a heat race, burn off in under three minutes. A main event can be 25 laps and can be done in five. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're they're sprint races. The idea is that it takes place quickly. Uh, But... We are unique in that our cars launch really hard. It, it throws me back in the seat. Uh,
0: and so what's the top speed you guys are running usually?
1: So uh, around around Chowchilla, the third mile tracks to just under half mile tracks, you're going to see a top speed of a little over 100 to maybe close to 130 on the bigger half mile tracks like Calistoga here in mm-hmm. California or down at Paris Auto Speedway in a non-wing car um you're going to see a, a closer to 140, 150, 160 depending on you know yeah. depending on the car the track um and the conditions but what's really amazing is that the average speed doesn't doesn't dip much we're we're going 100 120 and we pitch the car at 120 you yeah. know the car cocks over on the left side yeah and you breathe the throttle a little bit drag the brake a little bit to slow the car and get it to set but you pretty much don't ever slow down you turn left
0: like a you turn left in full speed yeah, you don't break in your turn
1: yeah so um the obviously the nhra drag racers are going close to 300 miles an hour but yeah the door slammer guys that, that you would see at march meet or somewhere like that that are doing 120 in the quarter mile uh-huh. we are as well except for at the end of that quarter mile we yank it to the left and go like yeah, a yeah U-turn. go around so it really does throw you into the seat real hard mm-hmm. uh, you experience a lot of g forces um uh, uh, i i'm a a weird dude uh, obviously i'm a nerd this is nerds about yeah uh i'm a nerd in that i drive with one hand and often hold myself up on the cage with my free hand a lot of guys drive most people drive with two hands on yeah. the wheel all the time um
0: all right sorry about that steve uh for those of you listening, uh, there's going to be a little break in here because somebody forgot to check if the SD card was clear before they recorded because we're still kind of new at this podcast thing. <laughs> so, uh, Steve, you were talking about, uh, before we got interrupted, you were talking about the your sprint car and how the wing on it works a little bit. And we started talking about um, the makeup of a sprint car, what you can get locally or at a brick-and-mortar store or what you have to order online and that kind of stuff
1: yeah uh, so there's uh, two online catalog stores here in california but they also have uh, brick and mortar locations one is kating performance it's owned by the kating family Um, grandfather father and sons that all race uh, and a couple of them are in the hall of fame Um, and they have a catalog that's that's easy to use and has all the, the different categories of things you might need organized so you can find them and buy them they don't manufacture tons of parts themselves but they've assembled all of the parts you would need to build a car in one catalog so Uh, so they're a good distributor right br motorsports is owned by the robertson family down in visalia same idea these stores both ship worldwide there's Mm -hmm. uh racing going on in australia and new zealand uh it's it's really popular there uh, sprint car racing, midget racing, very, very popular down under. And a lot of guys from here mm-hmm. will go down there and race, uh, in our wintertime. And some of their guys will come up here and race, uh, for our, our summer season. Um, and then there's a, a big catalog. We use uh, a big company called uh Speedway motors uh-huh. and, and they sell hot rod parts, uh, classic car parts, race car parts, yeah. everything. Any sort of thing you can want to find. So. You basically need to decide on what kind of frame you're going to buy. And mm-hmm. those are are more or less custom built. Um, there, there are some cookie cutter ones out there. Uh, but they're more or less, even the ones that are, are quote unquote mass produced are still, uh, it's still like buying a very specialized piece yeah. of equipment. The engine, um, if you're running a 360, we run an iron block. It's a Chevrolet. Uh, based off the small block Chevrolet, mm-hmm. everything about it has been changed, but the block itself is a, is a GM product. Um, so we're looking for older uh, four bolt main high nickel alloy blocks uh, out of like yeah. uh, big, bigger trucks uh, from the 70s, 80s or things like that. Um, but every other part is pretty specialized. So you're you're ordering it from a catalog or online. Uh my dad builds a few of the things himself uh-huh. out at the shop. He loves to uh whittle away on aluminum, so he likes to make some of the parts for the car. But more or less we're ordering parts and pieces and we're assembling them. Um and you you can I, I wouldn't say that it's easy, but it's doable. You yeah. can order all the pieces put everything together. Oftentimes you've got to modify things a little bit here and there uh-huh. to make them fit, Massage make them everything. work. But all the pieces are orderable. Um and they're 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 readily available, easy to find. They're not cheap. Uh-huh. Uh parts and pieces wind up, you know, they they wind up costing you the the bill adds up quick. Oh yeah, uh, I'm sure. for all that stuff. The only things we get at a Napa or an AutoZone or O'Reilly's um are some of our fluids that we use uh-huh. um, and some of the cleaning products for race day, uh, WD-40. We oil the car down completely before we go out for yeah. wheel pack or mud pack, they call it. Uh, we oil the whole car down so that when it, we come in, we can scrape the mud off easy. Yeah, it comes off really easy. Um, and then we use carb cleaner and things like that and and also WD-40 or Marvel Mystery Oil mm-hmm. to clean all the fuel lines. Um after you run you have to take all the methanol out of the car and out of all of the fuel lines and fuel system components and you have to clean them with carb cleaner blow it out lube them with some type of lightweight oil yeah. blow it out and let them air dry methanol will um if left sitting on aluminum it will actually corrode it and the yeah very the quickly parts and pieces will fail so we we clean all the fuel out of the motor and out of the whole fuel system. Mm-hmm. So we use some stuff from the Napa O'Reilly's yeah. for
0: that. So you talked about uh, Pops making some of the uh, parts for you guys. What's what's the full race crew for you?
1: So race crew for us uh, is is pretty bare bones. It's uh, I do a lot of the wrenching myself. My dad does as well. We have a friend who's been in sprint car racing his entire life, uh, Ken Elrod. Um, it's been a passion of his, uh, for mm-hmm. probably close to close to 55 years. He's been working on cars. Uh, he's in his seventies. He comes out to the shop, uh, a couple days a week and works with my dad during the week. Uh, and then I work, uh, helping him get ready usually one night a week before the race and then race day. Yeah. Um, and then we have, uh, we've had off and on different folks help us out. Um, But right now we've got, uh, pop Ken and a friend of ours named Carmen, uh, who used to work for me when I was harvesting almonds before I was a teacher and he's out working at the ranch for my dad part time. And then he also has seen us out there working on the car and kind of fell in love with going to the races with us. So he comes along all three of those gentlemen are over 70. So I have like the AARP crew. And, uh, I'm the youngest guy on the team at, at, at age 43, 44. Uh, so I'm, I'm the, I'm the kid. Uh, a lot of the other teams are, are made up of, of, uh, crew members in their twenties and thirties. And some of the drivers are in their teens so that we're competing against and those, those drivers, uh, like I've mentioned earlier, are are some of them are paid so, so paid drivers, and they're under twenty years old.
0: The the real question here comes is on the racetrack. Is it true that old age and treachery beats youth <laughs> and enthusiasm? Uh,
1: I, I am I am known as one of the older guys for sure. Uh, I'm not one of the quote unquote young gun uh, drivers. Um, I I've been doing this since oh9 and for the first handful of years uh we went so so little and and did so few races a year i really was just felt like i was learning all the time yeah and i actually learn a lot from the young kids there's a few of them that i'll talk to and just ask, you know hey how do you do this how when you're driving the car you know how yeah. do you feel this so i'll talk to the young guys um and uh and i also have to my detriment was, was too courteous for a long time driving the car. I was, I was worried about getting out of the way and not being a problem and just, you know, racing Uh my race and and not interfering in any way. And it, it hurt me a little bit. I was, I was definitely too nice. I needed to get into the faster line, learn how to drive the car harder, be more aggressive. I I was not aggressive enough when I started. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's an intimidating car to drive, uh, yeah. I've told people before, it is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and so it's an intimidating car to drive. It's a handful, even when everything's perfect, it's a handful. Yeah. Um, so as the last couple of years have gone on, um, I've sort of taken my spot on the track and, and feel like I belong here and uh, I'm not getting out of anybody's way. If somebody's faster than me, God bless them go for it. You, you can, you can have the outside line, give it a shot, see what happens kind of attitude where I'm, yeah. I'm trying a lot harder. Um, and we're running the car better, better and better and better. So yeah. we saw a few good results, uh, when Chowchillo had a the Chowchilla Speedway open, we've had a few good results up at Antioch, um, and a couple good nights at other tracks, uh, around. Uh, so we're, we're driving harder, we're trying harder, we're doing better. So, um, I don't know that, my old age is, and treachery is beating, beating the youngsters, but I'm giving it all I got.
0: Giving it all you got still. So you start talking a little bit about these other tracks and I know you go to Antioch all the time. Um, is that kind of, is there a difference between you know, you're talking about the different lengths of tracks and whether it's a wet or, or, uh, not track. And uh, do you feel more comfortable at Antioch than you do go into these other, some of these other tracks you haven't raced as much?
1: So we don't run any series with uh, with the eighty two J car for points anywhere. So we're not tied to going to one track all the time. And uh, over the last few years, we have been at Antioch a lot. Unfortunately, with life and schedules and things that have happened, we haven't made it up there once yet this year. We do plan on getting back to Antioch because we like that track a lot. Um, this year, we ran Watsonville a couple times, Tulare a couple times, Hanford a couple times. Um, we've, we've been, I, I feel like that old country song, we've been everywhere. Yeah. We've, we go to, we go to Hanford, Tulare, to Watsonville, Marysville, Placerville once. Um, Petaluma isn't, is a good track. It's, it's far, it's a little far away for us, but we like the track. Um, Chow, Chowchilla. I mean, it just brings a tear to my eye that they leveled that place. Yeah. Um, we, we loved racing here at home. I can see the track from my backyard, uh, I see where it was. We, yeah, where it was, they, they, and the, the bad thing about dirt tracks is when they take one out, they, they rarely build another one. So, yeah. uh, we don't want to see that happen. Uh, we want to support the tracks. So we like to go everywhere and support all the different tracks a little bit. Uh, there, there's a huge variety in, um, racing surface, the actual dirt or clay, uh, around the California tracks, mm-hmm. and there's also a big variety in shape of the track and corners, banking um, mm-hmm. affects the, the track speed and all that and setup, and then uh, of course length. So the the biggest track we've run is Hanford. It's it's a little bit yeah. under under a half, but the thing is wide. I mean, it that it's straightaways are wide, the corners are wide. It's a big. It's, so, a, it's, so a it's a it's a big boy A
0: half on the inside track and a little over on the outside track. Uh,
1: I'm not exactly sure for sure, but it, it's about three eighths uh, of a mile. And it's I mean it it's it's a big boy track. You are hauling the mail when you enter the corner. You are, you're moving. Um, probably the fastest track in California is Calistoga, uh, dirt track wise. And I I haven't run that track ever. Um, uh, I just scheduling and this 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 and that yeah. i've been there to watch uh they run a huge non-wing race there called the louis vermeil classic uh dick vermeil was an nfl coach yeah. who won the super bowl yeah his dad had a garage over there in the calistoga area and built uh race cars uh a little a little while ago not recently yeah uh, and, dick vermeil 70 so i'm sure right. his dad's a little bit older than yeah, that. yeah so they, they it was called the owl garage so they, they've got this uh this big race over there now—it's a non-wing race. So we've been over to see that, and those guys are just wide open, crazy fast. So, yeah. that, uh, but that's the fastest track. We run a, a a lot of tracks that are between a quarter and a third. That's our kind of our wheelhouse. Um, and Antioch is a is a little bit smaller track. It's got a lot of banking. It has a good racing surface. As the night goes on at Antioch, the track actually comes in; it gets better, which is opposite of what you would have here at Chowchilla or Tulare or those other tracks here in the valley where it's really hot. Um, as the night goes on, they dry out. Yeah. But Antioch actually gets heavier, so uh, it, it's a fun track to drive on. Um, the 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 quality of teams that show up at Antioch on a weekly basis fit with fit with me and my uh-huh. budget uh, and and some, and somewhat fit with my abilities. Uh, I'm competitive there. It's fun. Um, when I get to a track like Hanford, I roll in with, uh, with our RV pulling an open trailer. Mm -hmm. Uh, and next to me is a team that has half a million to a million dollars invested in their racing program. And, and it's yeah, it's just, like, just oh, you can't match it. uh, it's yeah. You're, you That's where I talked about earlier on where you've got these kind of steps of where you fit in and, uh-huh. and it graduates wherever you go. Those guys can go somewhere and they'll be up against a team that may have five million dollars invested in the program. Yeah. So it, it graduates up. Um, but I like to go to Antioch a lot. Uh, haven't got there a lot this year, but it's a cool it's a cool place to run. And we'll be getting over there this fall a little bit and try to try to get competitive.
0: Yeah. And so you're also, uh, so this is going to post We're we're actually recording this probably a few hours before I'm going to edit it and post it. And so if people are listening to this the day it came out on Friday, you're actually going to be racing on Saturday in Merced, right?
1: Yeah. So the sprint car challenge tour is, um, is, is a tour that's owned by, uh, and funded by primarily Elk Grove Ford, uh, a guy named Matt Wood, um, Rico Abreu uh who's a, a full-time racer and mm-hmm. one of the best in the nation uh and Kyle Larson uh who's obviously a yeah. NASCAR star they are um all three families and individuals that have been heavily involved in California sprint car racing and uh micros and outlaw carts and go-karts and uh and they're some of Kyle's a younger man and Rico's mm-hmm. a younger guy um and they have this tour that goes all over California, and it's for specifically for 360 cars. So it's kind of like the uh, a miniature version of the Outlaws yeah. f- for my class. So a lot of really good teams, um, or a lot of really good drivers, really good cars. And we're, like I mentioned earlier, you can... I can take my car and go to any series. And as long as I as long as you're within their obey rule, their rules, but, yeah. I can enter my car and, and go. So we're doing that. Uh, we're not an SCCT, um, regular car, mm-hmm. uh, but we've been to one or two of their races. Uh, I think we ran with them at Stockton. Um, and so, uh, and maybe Placerville might've been, uh, one of their shows that we went to. Um, but, um, we are going to take our car up to Merced that's the closest track to home. Yeah. So any of your, your buddies that are, you know, locals that are listening to your podcast, we would love to have them out when the races are over and the pit gate opens. We'd love to have them come back and meet us, talk to us, take pictures. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I love, that'd let, be a lot of fun. Love having, you know, families come back and let them put their yeah. kids in the car and take pictures. And we are, we're, we're not in a hurry to get out. Yeah. Uh, of to see. Yeah. So we, we love, uh, spreading the joy
0: so you're you're okay with people coming back uh after the race but leading up into the race you know on on saturday when you know it's going to be race day and it's a little bit different probably because you're you're pretty close to home but do you have any race day superstitions any any way that you prep specifically on race day or is it just uh okay everything runs cool jump in and go
1: so we always like to uh fire the car before we leave usually friday we like to fire the car and check it all out uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a superstition, but we learned the hard way um, early on. You don't go to the track to work on the car. You you go to the track to roll it off the trailer and be ready to ready go. To drive, yeah. Yeah, you got to be ready to go. Um, so we have little by little tried to find time and we've gotten some help. Uh, I mentioned Kenny and Carmen and my dad, they work on it a lot during the week. We try to be ready to go. Um, that's not necessarily a superstition, but it is uh, one of our pe- yeah race day prep race still. day prep practices. And then uh, we just we like to stop somewhere and get some good food on the way. We like to have fun. Yeah, we load up the RV with food and drinks and take the dog with us. And my wife comes along and different family members here and there, friends here and there. Uh, we love to just have a good time. It's it's what we're. It's a lot of work, but it's what we do for fun. Uh-huh. Um, that type of thing it going into superstitions uh i have i have this this good buddy rob uh solomon and uh and he had a brother named colby and they're the the first guys that that ever let me kind of check out a, a sprint car i knew uh-huh. there i knew rob's brother-in-law uh roy lewis and and oh, i yeah he, yeah he knew i liked uh sprint car racing. I used to just go watch all the time. Uh-huh. And so he introduced me to his brother-in-law Rob and, and Rob's brother Colby. And Colby had a, an older, uh, Eagle chassis car, 360 car that he moved from Idaho with. And he was running, uh, Hanford. Uh, he was running their, their series back then called rebel cup. And, uh, so they let me get in their car and uh, after I got in it and checked it out, I was like, "Okay, I, I got to do this." Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna one. And uh, so, in getting to know them, they worked for a, a couple different places, um, building engine parts or chassis. And one of the best stories that Rob told me was this guy named Rip Williams who runs a non-wing car down at Paris. He's a really good driver, uh-huh. a good car, won tons of races. Uh, he ordered a car from the place where Rob was working, Stinger Chassis in Hanford, and uh, Stinger was sponsoring him. Maybe even maybe even gave him the car. Yeah. Uh, as, as a sponsorship deal, and uh, so they they truck the car down to uh, L.A. where Williams where it is based. Yeah. And uh, the car shows up, and Rip tells him, "Take the car back. I don't want that car." They had loaded the car backwards in the bed uh-huh. of the truck and driven down 99 to LA. And uh, he said, You never haul a car, a race car backwards. So, from, based on that story, anytime we've had work done on a chassis, sandblasted, powder coated, wrecked one and had it clipped, um, I always load the car facing forward in the back of the truck bed. And it doesn't actually ride very good that way because the car's a little heavier in the back. Yeah. So it wants to tip the front up. Yeah. But I tie that sucker down, tie the nose of it down, shove yeah, it, it in there, matter. strap it in there. Race cars don't go backwards. Yeah. So R- Rob always, you know, told that story. And then from that story, that's that's my biggest superstition. So I always tell my dad, anytime we're working on the car, it goes on the trailer forwards, it goes in a pickup bed forward, whatever it does, it's going forward yeah. to the front. So that's kind of the idea.
0: Yeah, that, that, and that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to be going backwards on race day, so or any other time with that. So, what you know, you, you keep talking about all these different parts. But for you, you know, you talked about being a sprint car fan before, and then you know how you're slowly getting into it. But what was what was about sprint car racing that was so attractive to you? And what what's kind of something that you got that got you really excited about sprint car racing as compared to you know going to a local drag strip or just watching NASCAR or something like that? What was it about sprint car in, in particular?
1: So probably 1980, 1981, I was five or six years old. The, the soonest that I remember, uh, my dad took me, we lived a little North of Chowchilla here up in a town called Livingston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad, my dad was a race fan and he took us all, my sisters, my mom and I, uh, up to West Capitol Speedway, which is one of those speedways that they tore down. And like I said earlier, when they tear one down, they, they, tear one down, it's not coming back. they don't bring them, they don't bring them back. Um, so, so, it's it's well known in the Sacramento area as, as a as a great sprint car track from the 60s, 70s, 80s. Some of the best guys in the country drove there. Um, but back in about 1980 or so, my dad took us up there. And I remember being a little kid, and my mom and dad were sitting up behind us. They let us go down and sit on the first few rows. We're in sitting in uh, either getting into one or coming off of four. We would sit in either place when we'd go up there. And, uh, and I remember the marbles just hitting us and my sisters and I would get a blanket and we'd hold a blanket up in front of our faces and the marbles would pelt the blanket. And by the end of the night where you're sitting is just covered with clay marbles. And I I thought that was so cool as a kid. And then the guys in the pits, it's, it was the same as what I told you where pit gate opens when the night's over and the crowd can come down and. Uh, talk to people. My dad would go down and, and if you know my dad, he talks to everybody. He's quite the BSer. Yeah. And, uh, so he would be talking to everybody and those guys would put us in the car. Um, he later on worked on a car that was based out of Fresno, a pavement car, uh, Scott Losswith, a uh, pretty famous Fresno engine builder. Um, he, he owned a car with some other guys and my dad worked with them and helped him out and, and took us down there. So I, I got the bug when I was a little kid. And then I never raced anything my whole life, uh, played team sports, uh, stick and ball sports, you know, just normal Mm -hmm. stuff. And at about age 25 or six, I bought an ATV, a four wheeler Mm -hmm. and I rode it a little bit and, uh, Chowchilla Speedway was running, uh, quads and motorcycles and carts on Sundays. And I just went over there to check it out and I, I watched some races and I saw these guys racing quads that were sort of like mine. Yeah. They'd been fixed up a little bit. And uh, one of those guys' name was John Four. He's since passed away. And mm-hmm. I'm watching this race, and John Four cartwheels a quad down the, the front stretch of Chowchilla Chow Speedway. And, like, I can't remember yeah. everything that he injured, but he, like, broken leg and uh-huh. tore up his knee. And, I mean, they cart this guy off on an ambulance, and I watched that happen. And I pick up my phone, and I call my brother-in-law up in Modesto, and I go, hey, we got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you saw somebody get, I was like, we, we can do this. You know, these guys they are you know, so the next week he and I are out there racing our ATVs against these guys, you know, John's recovering. Uh-huh. Thank God he re- recovered and, yeah. and he raced again. Yeah. Years later, uh,
0: John was actually uh, one of my high school football coaches. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so
1: it, he did recover. Great mechanic. Great, great racer, uh, on the quad deal. Yeah. So we did that for about three years. Um, we raced quads and, uh, did some crazy stuff. We got hurt. Uh, We wrecked, we made a lot of friends, Um, just kind of learned about racing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We both quit racing flat track and TT and, uh, and I took a couple years off. Uh, My last quad race, I think I ran was 2006. Uh, And then in 2009, I bought a sprint car. Um, I just wanted to get something that had a cage around it. Yeah. I had the history in my family. My dad loved the idea. We went partners on the deal and we've been partners on it since then. So we're going in, in our 10th year right now of running a sprint car and wow. they're just, they're, they're just cool. They're like, they're, oh, the, yeah. they're just the coolest cars you're going to see race. You can see them on pavement, see them on dirt. Um, they're, they're insane. Uh, this, this old timer told me there's two real sports and he goes, there's only two real sports bull riding and sprint car racing. Both, both of the things you're on want to kill you, Yeah. you know, yeah. he goes there, that, that, yeah. that bull's not giving you a high five when you jump off, you know, Yeah, he, and, neither is that and, car. and that car, it, you know, that car is wicked. So it just sitting there, they're wicked. And then you get in it and try to tame it. It's, it's like riding a bull for sure. So, uh, Oh, well, and you
0: only have to ride a bull for eight seconds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're on that, you're on that sprint car for 20 to 30 laps. So yeah, they're, they're pretty crazy, but, but it's, it's fun. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it is a lot of fun.
0: So you're talking about being uh, partners with your dad and you talked a little bit about your crew earlier. Do you have a, like a crew chief or a pit chief who's like talking in your ear while you're going, or do you guys not do the radio stuff?
1: So there's no two way communication in a sprint car. That's, that's something unique. There's no spotters um, telling people to, you know, go down low and block or go up high. There's, um, there's a few things that, that crews will do um, to communicate uh, but there's no, uh, audio from the crew. I do have a, a little device. That's a one way radio. It's called a race mm-hmm. and the person in the flag stand who's directing the race, uh, can speak to us and they will, they will tell us things like yellow in, you know, yellow into yellow yeah. into, or if the track goes red because there's been a flip, someone's upside down. Um, they'll they'll be yelling in the in the deal so we can hear them yeah. uh, over the motors, you know, red, red, red. Uh-huh. Um, and then they'll also, under yellow, once they refire the cars, because I'll talk about that in a second. But once they refire the cars, um, under yellow, they'll be giving directions as far as like 82J up a spot or back a spot or something yeah. like that. They'll be telling you, but you can't talk back. And they're not giving anyone directions. Um,
0: yeah, they're not giving anybody race tips. Advantage, there's yeah. no
1: advantage, so it's purely for, it's purely race, for race director um, communication. But then, under yellow, there will be people who run up on the the pit fence, the pit side, and there oh. will be guys that that you know uh, have hand motions. Some teams have like a basically sign language telling yeah. their driver where to go on the track, or if they have a big lead or no lead, or if somebody's right on them, they'll mm-hmm. let them know. There's there's a couple ways that that teams communicate, um, but there's no there's no radios in in our form of racing. On pavement, um, I believe that USAC non-wing on pavement might have communication. Um, it's sort of closer to the asphalt world, getting closer to Indy and yeah. NASCAR where the teams talk back and forth. Um, but on dirt, uh, there's no. No sort of communication no, there. no communication
0: and so as you're talking through the red and like cars flipping that's something that's pretty common in sprint car you said a little you know you get a little bit more volatile wrecks there than anywhere else
1: yeah what usually what happens is if something does go wrong it goes wrong big um with open wheel cars uh if they touch tires uh under speed under power um usually someone's going around and upside down usually so there's a lot of respect uh with each other. We all know that. Yeah. So there's a lot of respect that uh you don't you don't pull stupid moves uh because somebody's gonna get hurt, equi- yeah. equipment's gonna get damaged and and lives can get lost. I mean it's it's yeah. it's no joke. So it there's a lot of respect amongst drivers. Uh and if there's a driver who's not respectful, they get blackballed I mean blackballed really quick. Now, so I, I'm, everybody's I'm, real respectful.
0: I've seen pictures for you. You've been one of the ones who's been flipping and rolling. Haven't you?
1: <laughs> yeah. So first, first flip, uh, was maybe my second year. The first year I drove the car. I never, was. I was, I was so far in the back and going yeah. so slow. I was at no risk. I was, I was just learning. But about, I think about the second year we got a little help. The car got better. I was getting a little faster. We run down to Hanford one night and, uh, I hit the infield berm and popped the front end in the air and i just stayed in the throttle and when the front end came down it kind of collapsed it and turned it into the wall and i flipped probably four times uh, and then there was a little fire uh nothing life uh threatening but there was a little fire uh i climbed out and uh and the first thing my buddy says is well you got that out of the way so yeah speaking about my first flip and i was like yeah okay i'm all right cars fixable He's like, it's gonna happen. So you know, yeah. it's good to get it out of the way. Know what it feels like, and uh, it's not something know you want to do. you want to do all the time, uh, for sure. And and I I know guys who go a whole season and don't flip, and then I know guys that flip a car two three times in a night. You know, I've seen it happen. So uh, it just all depends on how hard you're pushing things and luck, uh-huh. and uh, and other drivers. But yeah, we've we've turned the car over uh, at Stockton. Um, uh, we've turned the car over at the, the, my hardest hit, uh, in any form of racing, uh, was at Pataluma in 2013. Um, there was a, uh, a double file restart and it was a, it was a big traveling series called the civil war series, which still exists. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, we were in the B main and we start on the outside and there had been a, a complete restart. And on the first start. I jumped hard and got three or four guys on the start and I, I went around the outside of them and I yeah. started thinking I'm a hero. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for this. So on the complete restart, I jump on the outside and, and pass a couple guys and it gets three wide, which is kind of dangerous uh-huh. Two two wide is pretty safe. Racing three wide gets kind of hairy. And, uh, I jumped somebody's, uh, right rear tire and hit the wall and it knocked me out. I hit the wall cage first, knocked me out. The car came back down on the track on all four tires, and I was completely knocked out.
0: Completely knocked out, and yeah.
1: The, and luckily my foot was off the pedal, and the car just kind of putted down the track and eventually died, uh, and I came to uh, pretty quickly. But I, I lost a lot of vision in my right eye, uh, so I damaged my my uh, my retina. Uh-huh. in that crash. And so my right eye have lost a little bit of vision, um, because of that. And, and I was, I was hurting for a few days afterwards. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, funny part about it was, is I wanted to run trophy cup that year, which was, uh, we crashed September 13th and trophy cups always uh, about the 19th, 17, 18, 19 of October. So I didn't tell my wife, that I couldn't see or that I had a concussion or anything because I didn't want her to take me to the hospital because <laughs> I want to run trophy cup in the next month. Uh, and then when trophy cup was over, I told her, Hey, you know, we're going to have to go see the, the eye doctors. Cause, cause I've, I've, I can't see out of my right eye. Uh, and it came back for the most part, but it's well, a little, Well, you only need to see bright.
0: out of your left eye cause you're only turning left, right? Yeah. Just
1: turning left, buddy. So anyway, that's kind of a, a little, a little, funny part about a bad story that so, situation
0: so now that we've scared all the moms listening if you're somebody who's young and wants to get into sprint car racing yeah how would you suggest that you know as kids who just want to get into racing and specifically sprint car racing what would you tell those kids how would you suggest that they get started
1: so i think um california is is an awesome place to be for racing we have pavement tracks dirt tracks uh, we're such a big state there's there's racing in in all parts of the state mm-hmm. um and Youngsters can get going in quarter midgets on pavement. Uh, They also run quarter midgets on dirt up in Sacramento. There are go-kart races to do pavement and dirt. There are these carts called outlaw carts, which are Mm -hmm. wicked fast uh, go-karts, insane. And a lot of the best drivers in the country in all forms of racing are coming out of that now. That's their... That's their stepping stone. Outlaw carts uh into micros. Right here in Visalia and Lemoore, you've got Plaza Park and the Lamore Thunderbolt. And uh they are they are great, great racing facilities. Uh there are good builders that build just like sprint car components and chassis and motors. There are builders um who are building outstanding carts and micros. Um, we're fortunate to have Stan Yaki, PMP, Jake Gopian at Driven um, Pace Chassis, all right around Fresno, and there's there's more. Um, and then we've got uh, we've got my buddy Rob Solomon uh, down at uh, Rick Bray's company, which is called uh, CS9. We've got one of their chassis uh-huh. uh, waiting to be put together. Um, they're building. Sprint cars, midgets, micros down there. There's really good products to buy, uh, and great, great places to go race them all around here. And everything is a stepping stone to the next level. And if you want to step out of sprint cars and get, get into NASCAR, that's, that's a tool that guys are using. Um, so, and, and you see that with, uh, Christopher Bell, Rico Abreu, uh, uh Kyle Larson, obviously. Yeah, Kyle, the big one. So those are all California guys. Well, uh, sorry, Bell's from Oklahoma, but there's a couple of really good California guys who've stepped up uh, and they've, they've come through those ranks. So there's a lot of possibilities there.
0: Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, being a nerd about sprint car racing with us, man. It's been a blast.
1: Yeah, this is awesome. I'm, I'm uh, thankful for the invitation and, and also happy to get out the, the word about dirt track racing and sprint cars. And hopefully we'll get some fans out there to come to Merced Speedway saturday and uh, enjoy some really good racing and if we don't see you there we'll see you at one of the other tracks around yeah sometime soon
0: for sure so guys everybody thank you for listening thank you for being nerds about sprint car racing